All right, everyone. Welcome back. Another episode of Devil's Army Cast. James, myself, as always. Chris is with me, as always. Just uh, us two again. Hello, ladies been, and gentlemen. Been riding the duos lately, which is cool with me. Um, got that going on. You guys should be listening to this, I believe, on August 24th. We'll be dropping this on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And this is episode 14 already. Look at us. Yes. So we're making it. We are making it. Jersey number 14, Devil's History. Got to go good old Adam Henrique. And this, that's a good segue for something I'll talk about here in a minute. Go ahead, Chris. Give us your number 14. You can't forget about Mr. Brian Gianta. He wore 14 for a while there. There you go. So there's your two number 14s. I, I believe I was looking at this. 14 is a pretty popular uh, Jersey number in Devil's History. So uh, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of choices. But those are the two we're going with. Before we jump into what we're going to be talking about this episode, like I said, a good segue with Mr. Henrique, the trade the Devils made, what was that, three years now? Jeez. Anyway, yeah, it might Vatten. have been three years from now. The Vatnin for Henrique deal, thanks to the Hurricanes getting eliminated, the Devils are officially awarded with their third round pick this year. So the Devils pick up another pick and it's going to be in the third round. This because Vatnin played in four of the five games, which is more than the 70% needed to satisfy the condition on that pick. So the Devils picked up a third round pick thanks to the Hurricanes loss in five games to the Boston Bruins. So I think it's crazy just the breakdown of that deal. I I, I can't remember if you broke it down or somebody else did in our chat, but just the fact that you got Koken in a third round pick and you got Clayson and all you gave up was retaining Half of Vatnin's salary for the rest of the year. And Vatnin just played, like, what, seven games? Yeah, it was like six or seven playoff games. Yeah. That is quite the win. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, Of course, it's unforeseen circumstances. Vatnin would have played a lot more. Uh, Maybe a lot more. I I mean, mean, how many games got shaved off at the end of the season? Like 11? Depending on his injury. How many games would he have played in the playoffs, too? Yeah, So. so who knows? Either way, great trade for. That was a Fitzgerald trade, right? No. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, he was, he made a lot of good trades since he took over there after Cheryl uh, left. But moving on, what we're going to be talking about this episode? Throw some current news at you. Then same old, same old. We're doing the round of sixteen series recaps and takeaways. We're going to preview and predict the conference semifinals. Unfortunately, we're recording this a day after game one of the Avs-Star series. So we'll touch more on that when we get to that series. But that's something to keep in mind here. And lastly, I'm going to talk a little bit about what to expect from us going forward in terms of our content. The playoffs, as you know, are kind of not winding down, but less and less teams. So there's less to talk about there. So we're going to start getting away from that stuff and more towards what we created this podcast for and talk everything Devils related, offseason stuff, prospects, free agency, all that good stuff. So I'll touch more on that later when we speak about that in that little segment. So like I said, first thing we're talking about, current news. Eric Francis, who appeared on SiriusXM NHL radio station, explained how the top priority for the Calgary Flames is to trade Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau during the offseason. Laughlin and Johnson, last names of two individuals that were also on the show, both said it is no secret that he would love to go home. Johnny Goudreau, for uh, those who do not know, is from South Jersey. He's a little outside of Philadelphia, more towards that like Western, Southwest Jersey type deal. 
So home for him could be the Philadelphia Flyers. I believe he grew up a Flyers fan and he trains there in the off seasons. It could also be your New Jersey Devils or maybe a team in the New York area. But me and Chris, we're going to have a little fun with this and basically talk about if we would like to see Johnny Goudreau come home and rep Jersey's team. Uh, so I would absolutely love to see Goudreau in a, a devil sweater. But for me, I'm also trying to be realistic at the same time, you know, supposedly there's rumors that Calgary is just looking at straight resetting across the board. There's rumors of that. There's rumors that Goudreau is out or whatever. In either scenario, I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, it'd be phenomenal to have Goudreau, but what would it cost to get him? Mm. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, well, it's not going to be cheap. Um, And at the same time, we're not a team like Tampa where we can afford to move talented prospects or potential opportunities. We've done a good job building up so far the the depth in the system for forwards and defense, but we're not really in a position where we can expend that for, you know, Goudreau at this point. So that's kind of where I'm like, "Eh, I'd love to see it, but I don't want to give up too much in the process if we were to do it either. So I don't think we're in a position to do that. That totally makes sense, and it always comes down with these types of what-if scenarios is what does a team want? No one truly knows until a trade's actually made. For me, I would also love to see Goudreau in New Jersey. Worth mentioning, though, he had a down year in terms did, of yeah. analytics this year. He like fell off a cliff, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, his I'm not going to get into the specific numbers and stuff, but his underlying numbers were not typical Johnny yeah. Goudreau this year. He was also atrocious in the playoffs. I don't think he had a 5v5 point and his line he was on was terrible. They were bleeding chances whenever they were on the ice. So maybe that lowers the value there a little bit. He had a down year. He struggled in the playoffs. Maybe maybe that's something to think about. I mean, it's funny. A down year for Goudreau is a 58 points in 70 games play, which is a 68-point pace, which is still a great pace. Um, but he did have a down year. Now, I have no idea what it's going to cost to get this guy if the Devils are even looking. I, I, I honestly think if Goudreau's on the market, the Devils are going to be one of the first teams to call. Oh, for given, sure. Yeah, given he's in Jersey and Devils uh, – given he's from Jersey and the Devils are also on the spot where they're looking for top six talent, they have a huge hole in their top six yeah. that they need to fill. I was throwing this idea around in the chat about maybe – Definitely include the Vancouver first round pick, which is okay. I kind of almost want the Devils to shop that pick anyway. And then after that, I was thinking you throw in a prospect, not prospect, but a player like Miles Wood. Calgary loves those type of players out there. They got the Milan Lucic, Zach, and all this out there. So I think a Miles Wood would really be something Calgary go for. Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't think they give up Goudreau for just a first and uh, Miles Wood. I think that's yeah. a little me just being a fan and being a little biased. I guarantee you Calgary fans would laugh at me. I don't know how much more it would take. Maybe a decent, another like A, B prospect. I, I really don't know. But either way, this is something to watch. Love to see Goudreau come to New Jersey, regardless if he had a down year or not. He's still a great top six forward. He's under contract, I think, for two more years, which is another thing you got to start thinking about. And that'll bring him to age 30. So maybe that's a little bit of a downside. But either way, something something to look at. We'll move on. The next thing is I actually, when I was prepping for this episode, I wrote this on the script. Capitals of Firehead Coach question mark. And this was uh, yesterday. Turns out this morning, per Friedman, the Capitals moved on from head coach 
Todd Reardon. So I kind of see you, everyone kind of saw this coming. He did not, he caps regular season did fine. And that's how the caps usually are, but they got bounced in the first round each year. And they just did not look like the same old Washington Capitals team this year. They weren't good. 5v5, Braden Holpe just was a mess. So I think it's a good change of scenery. And the Caps did it at the right time. Um, there's a ton of good candidates out there. Peter LaViolette, Jared Gallant, Bruce Boudreaux. Boudreaux coached, back, coached in Washington actually years back. But I think a guy like Peter LaViolette, how he's mm-hmm. good with the veteran players, I think that would be a good – good fit there the capitals are fine um yeah. they'll find a good candidate they'll move on so yeah i mean i saw um when it comes to boudreaux i think i saw like some earlier in the week they were talking on like tsn some analysts and stuff uh and there was some insider i forget who it was but they were saying like you know uh if the leafs position became available boudreaux would love to be there because that's i think that was like his team growing up that he, he loved and he would always love to coach there but he's not looking for like an assistant position right now. So the only, and this is like a separate tangent, but um, if Boudreaux didn't get a head coaching job, like in Washington or something, then maybe he might go on as an assistant with the Leafs. But getting back to Washington, I mean, Reardon's out. Um, Caps fans can easily explain this to anyone that the, the frustrations with that team, even before they won the Stanley cup was never the performance in the regular season. It was, they just didn't show up in the postseason or they couldn't get, you know, past the Penguins or, or whatever. Uh, and we kind of seen them regress into that these past two postseasons. They they had good regular seasons. They were a team coming in that everyone knew would be tough to beat. And then they get bounced in the first round. I think last year it was uh, Carolina bounced them first. Uh, and then this year, you know, they lose to the Islanders, which I, I thought was going to be a very tough series for them. Uh, after watching how they played in the round robin and knowing how defensively structured the Islanders are with Trotz's system. So it's not a surprise to me that Reardon is out. Um, I think it's more to do with the playoff performance than anything else. And yeah, just 100%. trying to just trying to, you know, signal to the team like, hey, you know, there's no reason why we should be falling apart like in the playoffs basically. Like we are too deep of a team to be getting beat. So yeah. So that's that. Cam Talbot. Another thing I wanted to speak about here. There's a couple more things on my list. Cam Talbot. It sounds like Calgary's going to get an extension done with him, and this is via Salim Nadim Luigi. I believe he's a Calgary beat writer or works with the Flames. So Talbot's the reason why I mentioned this. Talbot's a guy that the Devils may have been looking at as a backup to Mackenzie Blackwood. I know when Talbot was with the Oilers, the Devils pursued him. So that's that. The other thing is came out this week. I don't know if you guys saw the agent of Mark Andre Fleury posted a like a, a graphic, I guess you want to call it, like a picture of a cartoon of Mark Andre Fleury being stabbed in, in the back with a sword. <laughs> and this got Twitter going a little bit. Of course, uh, Vegas had to deal with it, and this is not something you want to deal with in the middle of a playoff run, especially no. when you're Vegas Golden Knights. I thought it was uncalled for. Robin Leonard's been the better goaltender there all year. Um, I know you don't want to. You don't want a guy getting traded for midseason. Come in there, take your starting job. But I mean, when he's playing better than you, I, I think you just got to swallow it and be a team player here. Um, and I think for the past couple of years, in my opinion, Leonard's been the better goaltender overall. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. Go look at Leonard's numbers. His save percentage numbers are unreal. He's a great goalie. Um, I think Vegas will do a lot of good things with him in between the pipes, as they've done so far. 
this is something interesting to watch as we go forward. Supposedly, Flair is supposed to speak to media around two o'clock today, so I wonder how that went. But um, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think we, we know that he's. I said this a little silly. Before. I think he's kind of at this point in his career where he'll go out, he'll have an amazing game, and then the next night it's you know like is this even the same flurry? And that he'll have those those moments, and I think. Uh, I don't understand why his agent would do this. Um, to me, it's just no, no, I, 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 agents drive me crazy when they pull stuff like this. It's like you are not helping your client whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know how you thought this would be helpful, but yeah, it, it was wild. So that's that. And last thing, they came out with an updated projected NHL schedule, how like the, the calendar year, year, how the season's going to play out for the rest of the, um, like when next season is going to fire up, when important dates are. It'll be a so, quick turnaround. What we have here is Stanley Cup Finals beginning on September 20th. October 2nd is the last possible date for the Stanley Cup Final to be awarded. Four days later, we got the NHL draft, October 6th. Boy, this week is going to be fun as <laughs> Fun as heck when I'm looking at it. So you got October 2nd, last possible day for Cup, like I said. Then you got the draft four days later. And then three days after that, free agency opens up. And then training camp opens November 17th. And December 1st is the first day of the 2020-21 regular season. Talk about condensed, like you just say. Man, that's going to be a lot of fun there in October. Yeah. That's the last bit of news I have for everyone. Um, Chris, do you have anything you saw you wanted to add? Uh, no, not really much. You touched on all the major topics. So, cool. Cool. Moving on. Segment number two. Talk about the round of 16 uh, series recaps and takeaways. We'll start in the East, go out West. Start with this Philly Montreal series. Philly ended up winning the series four to two. Uh, I'll start this one. So, believe it or not, and Chris, you'll be able to talk on this after mm-hmm. I do. Montreal, in my opinion, was the better team in the series. You look at the numbers, they generated more. They had a 58.03 Corsi 4 percentage, and this is comparison to Flyers uh, 42%. And this is at even strength. And the expected goals was 60.34. So the Canadians were generating more, and the stuff they were generating were more dangerous than the stuff the Flyers were generating. So put that and that together, and you would think, man, the Canadians have to win this series, right? Nope. Mr. Carter Hart was like, hey, listen, I'm elite. I'm going to be the thorn in the side of everyone in the Metropolitan Division for years to come. I'm going to slap on like a 930-something save percentage. He outplayed Carey Price. And I have Which in my notes here where, where yeah, – I have in my notes here that the Canadians lost because, quote, Carey Price. And Price didn't play bad. At all. It's just Carter Hart played elite. Even strength save percentage, the Flyers' Carter Hart was 948, and Carey Price had 0. .900. Actually, 0. .900 isn't all that great at even strength. So Without Price, but, they're not even playing the Flyers this round. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you say that because it's the complete 180 because – the Philly played like Montreal did last game, uh, last series, and stole the series because of goaltending. Yep. Just like Montreal did to get here. So that's my opinion. I, I truly think Montreal is a better team. The Flyers are the. Uh, I don't know anymore with them. But go ahead, Chris. You could give your opinion here on this. Yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting series to watch. I felt Montreal was a little bit more structured. Um, I think we had an episode before this where I mentioned enjoying seeing Montreal just pump the Flyers like five nothing one game. 
Um, but Carter Hart, you know, stole the series. The, the, there's really not much more to it. I mean, this series was all about Carter Hart. Uh, we're going to have to see him plenty of times in the future. I'm looking forward to the duels between him and Blackwood because I don't I'm think not. Blackwood gets enough love. <laughs> I think those will be he fun games. But yeah, I mean, this was basically Carter Hart pulled this series out for Philly. He did. Um, and they have a he chance did. to, you know, correct their game going into next round, but they got to do it quick because I don't think they can get through the next round again like they did against Montreal, just relying on Carter Hart. <laughs> so that's that series. Tampa Bay Columbus was next. The Lightning won 4 1. Chris, go ahead, start this one, and I'll add whatever um, I would like after that. So. Tampa fans all breathed a sigh of relief. All, all, all Tampa fans felt like justice had been served. They got over what happened last year. Um, but it was a, it was a pretty fun series to watch. It was very back and forth. Um, Columbus was in it the whole way. There wasn't really a point where Tampa completely blew them out of the water or anything. Um, I think that Tampa just addressed the areas that they were, had weaknesses in last year, and that's really what paid off. I mean, we saw their fourth line, you know, be a key part of the series with Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, and Barkley Goudreau. Um, just that physical element that they didn't have last year that they were able to bring against the Columbus team that likes to play that way. And Corpusalo was phenomenal. He had some crazy games. Um, but, you know, Tampa eventually broke through. They were just too strong, and Columbus uh, tried to capitalize on their opportunities and – you know, just couldn't capitalize on enough of them. Yeah. So looking at the, even watching this series, Tampa Bay was dominant. I mean, they're finally the team we always expected them to be in the playoffs. They controlled play that a deep advantage on generation and dangerous chances. Vasilevsky played great. Corpus Allo, like you said, he did everything he could, but ultimately Columbus is unbelievable run this year. Don't don't make any mistake about it. Columbus, they they did absolutely – they played out of their minds this year. If they Torx doesn't get the Jack Adams, I mean – Yeah, they had no business being as good as they were this year, but good for Columbus, good for Tampa Bay, exciting team. They definitely have a chance at winning it all this year. So – We'll move now to the Boston versus Carolina series. We talked about this series the last episode pretty in depth. I explained how really, really, really disappointed I was yeah. in the Hurricanes as a big Hurricanes guy. Bruins, got to give them credit. They were better in all facets of the game. 5v5, special teams, goaltending. Yaroslav Halak deserves more respect than he gets. He's one of the best backups. I, I wouldn't even at this point call him a backup. Just has great as he's been playing Boston's in good hands with him in between the pipes Boston I know people are worried about Boston if you want to say they're back you can I don't think they were ever truly gone but Boston's Boston's legit so go ahead Chris I mean you mentioned the series was basically a disappointment for us which I agree I was really pulling for Carolina I didn't I didn't see why they couldn't win the series. Um, losing Svechnikov definitely hurt. That was definitely a serious injury. Um, and the whole series, I mean, every game, it seemed like Carolina would have spurts where they were playing their game, but they never really took over any game. Like, even when they were they had a lead, they'd be, like, getting outshot by, like, 10 shots or something. Um, yeah, they did not play well. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the Rask-Halak factor, I mean, losing Rask, yeah, that's not – uh, great in terms of helping your playoff run, but it helps to have Halak as your backup. And, you know, going back to our 
playing series predictions, my whole question mark against the Rangers for Carolina was can Carolina's goaltending hold up, which it did in that series, and it gave me, you know, confidence. I'm like, okay, they, you know, goaltending shut me up. You know, they can make a run out of this. And it just seemed like it kind of fell apart a little bit. And uh, I remember seeing a meme that involved James Reimer and flashing back to when he was the goaltender for the Leafs when uh, Boston scored, like, those three goals to force the overtime in, like, Game 7 that one year. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Leafs fans, I'm not trying to bring up a sore subject. But (laughs) that was pretty funny, too. Yeah, so that is that series. And we'll talk about the last one in the East here before we move on out West. The Islanders cap series, as you know, we talked about Washington fired their head coach. They lost the series four to one. The Islanders are moving on. I'm starting to get a little worried about Washington. I know like they'll find a head coach and that aspect will be okay. Their players are getting older. They got a lot of money tied up in guys. They don't have all their prospect system isn't all that great. The question mark around are in the net. Hope he's going to, Hopefully, for the capital's sake, be gone next year, and Samsonov will be there, which is which is good. Samsonov is a great goalie, but you never know how taking the full reins will go. Maybe that gets a little messy. This series was textbook Islanders. The Caps actually generated more in terms of like quantity, but the Islanders did that thing where their attempts were more quality, and they held the Capitals to keeping everything outside. It's textbook Islanders hockey. Um, Goaltending was great, and for mm-hmm. the Islanders, I mean Washington. Braden Holpe was absolutely awful. As soon as you saw Sam Stoff wasn't playing, a lot of people thought like the series might be over, and the Caps' chances might be over, which ended up being pretty true. I mean, this series, Holpe at Eve, at um, high danger. This is high danger attempts. Holpe's save percentage was eight one three. High danger. Usually, the high danger average for save percentages is like the low nines. So, yeah, that it's really, really bad. Um, in comparison, the Islanders, Netminders, high danger chances against were 917, say, percentage, which is a really good number. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then regular chances, regular shots, 887 for Holpe, say, percentage. And this was in comparison to a 963 for Islanders goaltenders. So you could see how this series would have won and lost. The Islanders look good. I was wrong about the series, but God, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by the outcome. I didn't think it was an optimal series for Washington. Um, I picked the Islanders, but I thought it would go seven games. I didn't think it would be, you know, done as quickly as it was. Um, The Islanders just play a phenomenal team game, uh, starting with the defense and then turning that into opportunities that they can capitalize on. There's no one guy who's really the superstar. I mean, yeah, you have Matthew Barzell. Anthony Bavillier has come alive in the postseason here, just like Everlay did for them last year a little bit. Um, they just they play a great team structure, a great team game. And, I mean, having Barry Trotz behind the bench just shows how good of a coach he is. Um, this series honestly made me feel like the Islanders are a dark horse to go all the way. Um I don't have them going that way in my bracket, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could run the table here. So, and I mean, Um, we mentioned their goaltending was great. Varlamov played the whole series. Bryce hasn't even been in the net yet. So, yeah, no, that's that's bold. I I don't think they'll go take it that far, but I do think they they have a decent chance to Mm -hmm. get past the next round. I don't know if they'll make a run to the cup, but who knows? 
moving out west now, Vegas for Chicago. These first two series out west were a joke, and it just comes back to how flawed the NHL's return to play system was with those the 24 team return to play. This Vegas Chicago series is one of the more one sided series in my recent memory. It was a dominant, dominant performance by Vegas. The Corsi four numbers and expected goals were 70% in favor of Vegas almost. Vegas is going to keep rolling. Absolutely obliteration. And like I said, it just comes back on the uh, the format the NHL implemented. But Chris, you want to add anything here? I mean, Patrick Kane didn't really get on the board until the final game of that series. Um, he was on the score sheet. He was generating offense. He had assists. But uh, you didn't see any goals from him until that final game where they ended up being eliminated. But, yeah, Vegas basically dominated the series. I mean, the game that Chicago won uh, – they got outplayed in that game too, you know. It's just yeah, puck bounces like, went towards the Hawks huge. that night. So, yeah. um, Corey Crawford again, you know, doesn't. I mean, we talked about this on the last episode. He's had the numbers in the past to show he's a top goaltender, but I've still never really seen him that way. I've always just thought he was, you know, he was he was good. He was all yeah, right. Well, you know, he, he, I choose him over a lot of other goalies <laughs> in the league, but I just never thought he was elite. Um, but yeah, basically, Chicago just got outplayed this whole series they did um and i wouldn't pin any of this on crawford necessarily i mean chicago's defense was just atrocious they were bleeding chances left and right but enough of this series we're moving on to another series that was just an absolute bloodbath colorado versus the yotes as won this one for one um once again thank you to the stupid format for making us watch this Absolutely unfair matchup. Kemper was the reason why the Yotes even got this far in the beginning. The Yotes had no business beating Nashville, but thanks to Kemper, he finally imploded. <laughs> Unfortunately yeah. for him, I mean, he was great all playoffs, but I mean, you can't keep playing at that level. <laughs> Av scored 14 goals across games four and five. They put up a seven spot in each game. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, big thing for the Avs um, moving forward. Actually, we'll talk more about what I want to talk about here in their preview for their next round. So go ahead, Chris, you can talk about the series if you want to add anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of us are surprised <laughs> by the outcome here. Uh, I think we were expecting Colorado to handle Arizona pretty easily. Um, definitely thoroughly impressed with Darcy Kemper's play up until, you know, eventually the dam broke. Um, I just, I don't know what else there really is to say. Taylor Hall is going to be a free agent. Arizona probably should not have even been in this tournament, but they outplayed Nashville. That was just the, the playing match they that they got. They didn't outplay Nashville now. Don't get ahead of yourself. Well, they, they, they won beat the Nashville. Yes, they won yeah. the series. They did not um, outplay Nashville. <laughs> either way, you can, you can you yeah, know, argue you. if they I'm played sure like another it. team in the qualifying round, you know, would they even be at this point? Um, I, I, I don't think they should have been in. I don't know. I mean, you touched on this. The qualifying round, there was no good way no of handling it. It's just an unfortunate side effect. Good for Colorado. Um, I think Arizona has stuff to build on, but definitely a lot of areas to address as well. So, Yeah, so that's that. Uh, where are we now? Without the Dallas-Calgary series, Dallas won this one 4-2. Chris, you get to start on this one because I know you have some uh, thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I my, my main summary of this series was the Flames cannot hold a lead. And sure enough, what happened in the last game of that series, the Flames go up 3-0 and 
and then they lose like 7-3, 7-4. I forget what the final score was. I think Dallas put up like seven unanswered goals, but like six unanswered goals. In that um, one game, yeah, it was something stupid. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. For the Flames, I just I don't get what the issue was. Um, they're talented enough where, in my opinion, they should have won this series. I give credit to Dallas for coming alive, uh, you know, doing great with Hudobin and Net with Bishop being hurt still. Um, it, it's so baffling of a series. I didn't expect this outcome. I picked Calgary in this series. Um, but credit credit is where credit's due. Um, Dallas showed up. They outplayed them. You know, they kept fighting even when they were down. And the Flames, for me, the main theme was they could not hold a lead this series. Yeah, that they were not they were not able to do. But I think Calgary's in some trouble here. Um, even heard different people talking about how they might blow it up, and then you got the Johnny Gaudreau rumor going around. Yeah, you gotta give. I, I picked Calgary too, uh, and it was just based off the fact that Dallas did not look good in the round robin play, and we were both confused on why because we both acknowledge that Dallas is a super talented team and they they have a chance to make a deep run. Yeah. It just seemed like they weren't going to be able to put it together. Well, they put it together. Great for them. Got to give credit to them there. They're finally the team that everyone was waiting to see. Yeah. The series was closer than. I guess the 4-2 final indicated attempt generation came was pretty even. And once again, like it always does, it came down to quality. The quality of chances Dallas had were greater than the quality Calgary had. Believe it or not, goaltending was pretty even. Um, Antoon Kadobin was great. Give me, give me him the backup McKenzie next year. I'm a big Kadobin guy. He's a free agent. Yeah, I'd be a year. He would be great to play behind Blackwood. So, yeah, that's this one. Last series we're going to talk about before we get into the conference semifinals, previews, and predictions. The Blues and Vancouver series. Hey, I called the the, the crud out of this one, huh? Yeah, you did. I, uh, I picked Vancouver in this series, and they ended up upset in St. Louis. Uh, not that they should have. <laughs> yeah. So, Vancouver has some type of luck going on. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Their luck is just unreal. They were outplayed this series. They were thoroughly outplayed last series against Minnesota. Jacob Markstrom doing Jacob Markstrom things. And this series, the story of this series was Jordan Binghamton just being absolutely trash. He's the sole reason why the Blues lost this series. Like I said, the Blues outplayed Vancouver at five on five. I believe the Blues, they get a little outplayed um, special teams. But um, yeah, Jordan Binghamton was brutal, man. Um, they went to Jake Allen, which was smart. Jake Allen played well in the round ro- or the uh, the what do, you, what do you want to call it? Yeah, round robin play. And Jake Allen ha- also had a terrific year. They went to him. They he won them two games in a row, correct? And then they he loses them. I wouldn't even say he loses them, but they lose game five with Allen. That then they make a decision to go back to Bennington for game six, which I didn't agree with, and it ultimately screwed them because they got uh, Bennington didn't play well again, and they ended up losing game six, and that was that. But. Yeah, I, I think it was a terrible mistake to go back to Bennington. For whatever reason, he just didn't have it to end the season. So you can talk about the series now, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I still think Bennington is a, a good goalie. Um, I don't yeah, know he is. I, I'm not saying happened. he's not either. Yeah, no, that's definitely it, the question is more just what happened. You know, uh, we all we're asking this question because we know he's a good goaltender. You know, how how did this happen? Uh, 
And, I mean, I'm not going to neglect the fact either that the Blues kind of put themselves in a hole to start this series going down 2-0. And uh, in those two games, they were giving up a lot of odd man rushes, which never helps your goaltender, especially if he's in a rut, like he's not playing at his best. Um, I think they just fell behind and, you know, they, they sort of got it together a little bit with Jake Allen in it. Um, I don't think it was necessarily wrong to go back to Bennington um, after the loss. I think, honestly, they were in a situation where they should have been able to play and win with Bennington or Allen and Nett. But, again, just I don't know what happened to Bennington. Uh, we'll see if he can bring it back together next year. I'm confident he will. But yeah. just I don't know what happened with the playoffs in him. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. I, I'm not saying here that Bennington's like, oh, no, he's he's not going to be the same he was or whatever. I think it was just a fluke type deal, whatever it was. Just weird circumstances all around. But the defending chance gets sent home. we know how competitive he is, too. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the, this, is a, this is a guy who straight up, uh, when Martin Berdor was with the Blues, like, Marty was the one who had to tell him he was being sent down to, like, the AHL or the ECHL, and he straight up looked at him and said, no, I'm not going. I mean, we, oh, yeah, we know I think he's it was a the ECHL, yeah. So. Uh, I expect him to bounce back. I do too. So, yeah, that's your defending champs going down to the Vancouver Canucks, huh? Who would have thought you would be saying that? But we're going to summarize our predictions here real quick. Um, In the East, I went two for four. And in the West, I went three for four. So um, I had myself a nice little West. What'd you go, Chris? I had, uh, I went two and four in the West, three and four in the East. So there you go. Look at us. Same exact percentage. What's that? Five for eight? Yeah. That's pretty good. Could be worse. Could be better. So moving on now to the conference semifinals. We're going to break down each series real quick for you and give our little predictions two cents. We'll start in the East with the Tampa Bay and the Boston series. Game one is Sunday night. So that is technically tonight. So when you guys listen yep. to this tomorrow, we don't know what happens game one. So I got to say, I'm very sad this is a... I'm very sad this is a semifinals matchup. I'd much rather this been the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, but you yeah. know, NHL likes to ruin things with their stupid format. I am mm-hmm. very sad over this. Um, when you look at this series off, just like you see these two teams and you automatically think like this series is as even as you can get. Like two teams with great firepower. It's, it's just a great series. Two very, very high caliber top tier teams. And throughout... This, the well, the first round, the round of 16, each team controlled their opponents, played well, both solid goaltending. Like I said, they got the firepower up front. The thing it comes down to me is when you really look at the names on this roster, on these rosters, I got to go Tampa. I think they're deeper, both offensively and defensively. Uh, I think all four lines you could throw out there. Boston, I'm not saying nothing bad about their forwards. Their forwards is great in their own right. I just think... Tampa's just got more talent on paper. And like I said, Yarhalak, very underrated, great goaltender, should be regarded as a starter now. I just got to go with the more proven, the the true starter in Vasilevsky. I'm going to go Tampa in six. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm looking at this series. I think Tampa is just too deep of a team, and they're ready to not just dominate skill-wise, but, you know, physically punish the Bruins. Um we saw in the last game the two teams played, which was all the way back in March, uh, we saw a lot of fireworks in that game to the point where it was turning less into a hockey game and more guys just going after each other, basically. Yeah, I'm cool I mean, with that. We, we saw like five <laughs> on five, like brawls, basically, almost. Um, you know, we saw 
our, our boy Patty Maroon taking on Big Z, you know, uh, Tampa's not afraid. They, they got a lot of fight, a lot of sandpaper this year, and I think they could easily get under the Bruins' skin, especially Marchand. Um, I mean, it's why they brought in players. This, this series is exactly why they brought in players like Patrick Maroon, like I said, Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman. Yanni Gord has paid off through his development as a Anthony Shirelli, dude. They're, they're, yeah. Their forward depth is insane. I think that's why this series is going to go to them, and I and think that's why they're going to go to the Cup. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll win the Cup because I think West is strong, but I think they got a great shot to go to the cup. I'd be surprised. If they yeah. Don't. Well, for Boston too, you know, another big question mark. I know, I know you're big on Halak, but for me, I'm not completely sold on him yet. Um, I know he's great in the tandem between him and Rask, but we've seen plenty of goaltenders who are great in a tandem situation, but they can't do it once they become the actual number one and the actual starter. Like this is yeah. your net. Um, yeah, so for me, point. I, I don't think it's a. Uh, I'm I'm not sold on Halak, but I'm not like extremely concerned yet on him either. Like he has the starting experience; he's been a starter before. You know, if you can't have Rask, if you're Boston, Halak is not a bad backup to have. You know, it, it could be worse. Um, but that's my main concern for them is just how Halak's going to perform now that he is that number one guy. It's not like a tandem situation. But I think Tampa will will take this series. Um, it should be fun. I expect a lot of fireworks. Uh, it's the way Hope I so. like hockey. But, yeah. What do you got? How many games? I know. That, honestly, this does not matter. I've said, I don't even keep track of how many games I say. It's just I, a little fun thing. But I, I think games? six. I'm going to go with six. Yeah, you got six there. Yeah. I, believe it, like – I don't know your opinion on this, but I don't feel like these series have been very competitive so far. When you're looking at the numbers and stuff, we didn't have any Game 7s last round, right? No, we didn't have any Game 7s. Yeah, look at the numbers. None of these series were really close. The closest series that I came across was that Calgary series, and it wasn't even that close when you look at the numbers deeper, you know? <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a series we could see go to a Game 7, because I think oh, 100%, and, yeah. and defense-wise, they're pretty, yeah. pretty matched up. You know, they're yeah, matched up pretty well. I'm just saying, sides, but, in, the, yeah, in, in the, the round of 16, rounds, yeah. we haven't really seen anything close. No. I think this series, and good segue, this next series of New York Islanders and Philadelphia Flyers, and this pain me so much to type tweet <laughs> say whatever i just absolutely despise each team philly's my least favorite team the isles are probably my third least favorite teams um but this is gonna be another absolutely just close 50 50 you could throw a flip a coin do whatever to pick this one but um you could go ahead chris you could talk about this one first yeah i mean the um the islanders have impressed me to the point where I have in my bracket right now, I did call Philly and Tampa, or excuse me, uh, Philly and the Islanders meeting up. Um, but I picked Philly winning the series. And if I could change that right now, I would change it to the Islanders. Um, I think, you know, I said it earlier here in the show um, that I think the Islanders could be a dark horse, you know, with the defensive structure to, to make it to the finals, at least the cup finals. Um, I, I don't know if the Flyers can turn around their performance uh, that we saw against Montreal. Carter Hart was phenomenal, but, I mean, we saw it with Arizona against Colorado. Granted, you know, Arizona is a much different team. You can't just rely on your goaltender the whole way. Eventually, you know, the dam's going to break. Um, it's going to be a fun series, I think, to watch. Uh, 
I I don't know if it will be necessarily I'm, fun. <laughs> I, I think it will be. I think I think you know it, it may be. It's going to be from close, aspect, but I think yeah, I yeah. think there's going to be like three goals scored the yeah, whole entire it's, series. It's, somehow. It's probably like, going yeah. to be boring in that sense, but I mean. I don't know. I'm kind of excited for the Islanders and their fans. I know you don't like the Islanders. I'm kind of like, indifferent yeah. about them. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're just there. But I mean, after all the years of ineptitude that the Islanders have had to put up with for so long, granted they had their dynasty. I, I get that. But ever since then, the ineptitude and stuff they had to put up with. I mean, they finally got an owner who's taking care of the team. They've got a good GM, obviously. We know who that is. They got a very good coach behind the bench. Uh, very good players. I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm excited for Islanders fans. I I really am pulling for the Islanders here in the playoffs. I think outside of Tampa, Tampa's my number one. But if I had to pick a second team, it'd be the Islanders. So that's like illegal as a Devils fan. I think I don't know why all these Devils. Like I even see it on our uh, on our page that like a lot of people are pulling for the Islanders. And I don't get it. I mean. They're like one of the devil's rivals. Yeah. I, I wouldn't like say it's a fierce rivalry, but they're one of the devil's rivals. Um, I mean, Lou's the GM now. I know Lou did a lot of good things for the devils, but he left the devils in absolute shamble yeah. and he just routes. And then that's that. Um, the Islanders fans, I, I don't know. Their little chant they do or whatever just rubs me the wrong way. I don't, yeah. I don't like that. I'm just, I, I do not like the Islanders. For and me, it's just the ineptitude that the organization has gone through. It doesn't have anything well, to do with How many with cups Lure did they win? Like, like that? four cups in a row back in the 80s? Yeah, I, mean, was, I think they'll like be okay. Cups. It was them and Edmonton, basically, that won the cup for like a decade. Yeah, um, I'll be, I think they'll be okay. Uh, they got their like seven cups or whatever the heck the number is, I, total number is. I agree, is, but, but I mean, they were like the dumpster fire before, you know, Edmonton really before they Buffalo. got McDavid. And, yeah, <laughs> Buffalo. Like they, they went through that phase and, uh, I don't know. For me, it's like, you know. They had real ugly jerseys, too, during yeah. that phase, I think, too. Right? Going <laughs> back really to the geographics and stuff, like North Jersey, I cannot stand the Rangers. And it's, like, hard for me to dislike the Islanders when they've kind of been, like I said, to me, they've kind of been irrelevant for, like, a while. Even when they had Tavares, they were, like, more of, like, a, you, know what? you know, they could win any game. And it's, like, let's just, you know, let's play them. And I, I don't know. They never really got under my skin and probably because we never had, like, as competitive, fierce matchups like we did against the rangers and flyers and stuff recently so you know what i i feel that comparison there because like i'll talk about from a football standpoint i'm a dolphins fan unfortunately i don't know if i said that before on the podcast the buffalo bills are a team that i've had no problem with because they've just been so bad for so long but now they're starting to get decent and people are starting to think they're good and i i everything like that like eh, it's the buffalo bills they don't they, they're harmless now i do not like the buffalo bills <laughs> uh, it, they, they've gotten a little better people think they could actually do things so I, I see that comparison there where like the islanders are bads for so long so you're really like eh, it's the islanders they're harmless but they're harmless no more they're uh they're legit yeah here, so no, don't get it twisted if they win a cup i'm not cheering for them anymore i'm like yeah. okay you guys got your cup now you can like go away <laughs> yeah so um as for my like little analyst slash pick for this series like i said i hate this so much that it has to be these two playing each other here in the spot i like i the the series i don't foresee there being that many goals both teams rely on defense and that mining especially the flyers now with carter hart and we all know the islanders game is that structured defense and yes. whoever's in that for them on a given night but Crazy, crazy close matchup. I think it ultimately comes down to recency, and I know you could say recency buys here, but the Islanders outplayed a very talented Capitals team, yes, no do. matter what their problems were. But the, and the Flyers were outplayed by a much less talented Montreal team, mm-hmm. relying strictly on goaltender. Got to go Islanders here. I'm Absolutely. go Islanders at seven. Yeah, I think uh, so. 
Islanders in six or seven. Uh, again, I don't think it's going to be a short series. And if I could yeah. change my bracket, I would. I wouldn't have had the Flyers beating the Islanders, but can't do that. We're locked in. <laughs> yeah, locked in. So Vegas versus Vancouver is the first series out west. Game one is tonight. So you guys will be hearing this after they play their game one. Oh, and by the way, that Islanders Flyers game one is Monday. So uh, this Canucks Vegas series, right? Oh boy. Um, I swear Vancouver gets more of this whatever luck they're riding here. They're not going to outplay Vegas Golden Knights. Do not get that. They're not going to outplay the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to come down to their luck and Markstrom. I don't think it's going to be able to – luck always runs out, right? Isn't that yeah. the, it's not the saying. I think it's going to run out here. Maybe the only thing I can really see troubling Vegas is if this goalie thing somehow gets in someone's head or something. I mean, you keep playing Leonard, let Leonard roll. He'll be good. I got Vegas in five. I think Markstrom will steal a game, but I think the series is going to be all Vegas. Vegas had a very easy, easy, like a cakewalk almost to, to where they're at now. And it should yeah. be another one here. So anything else you want to add here? Um, I think the series could go six, maybe even seven. I mean, the Canucks are the, the, the Knights are very strong. They should win this series, both on paper and just watching them play. They should win. Um, like you said, as long as Leonard performs and you know plays well, there's no reason they shouldn't win this series. But the Canucks are just playing strong as a team, and they just have this swagger to them right now. I mean, they have made it known that, like, hey, you know, we are not here to learn. We are here to win. We are going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to do whatever it takes. I don't know. I mean, they're they're playing really good as a team, and sometimes that can you know that can lead to some upsets. Um, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to take them in this series. I'm still going to take Vegas, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it go like six or seven. So, all righty. So that's that series, and we'll move on to the last one here. We got Colorado versus Dallas. Like we said, game one of the series was last night, so we're going to give our prediction here. Um, be a little cheating because we're one game in but you know that's that's how she goes for me i was and i'm sure everyone else too um i'm saying for me like i'm the only one that's thinking that but not true in any way everyone's surprised about the game one result the avs lost that game what's the final last game four one Uh, i think it was five three let me pull it up real quick i think dallas put five up as uh as chris does that um yeah, it was 5-3, right? Yeah. So Dallas won 5-3, and I instantly went and looked. I wasn't able to watch this game last night. Um, I instantly went and looked because I thought maybe it was one of those deals where Dallas just got lucky. Um, they, they didn't. They thoroughly, they, oh, yeah. they outplayed. They showed up. Yeah, they outplayed the ass. The shot attempts were relatively even, um, 46-45. to 45. Dallas had the – this is at even strength, one more shot attempt than – Colorado, but we get to the expected goals and Dallas's chances were more high danger. They had a 55.2% advantage here in the expected goals. The other huge thing is Grubauer went down with an injury. Um, yeah, Chris, I think you did you watch? Yeah, you, so yeah. you said this did not look good. No, He's probably going to miss some extended time. Um, now, Frank Quaz is not a bad backup at all. He was great this year. He came over from wherever he came. He shut out the Devils this year, and that's when I, I saw the guy and I was like, oh, this this kid, he's something. He played he's good not even the, a kid. Uh, yeah, he played good in the most recent Olympics too for the Czech. I mean, granted, yeah. no NHL players were there, but he played great for him. Yeah, so he's legit. I don't know if you really got to worry about that, and you also keep in mind Dallas has been going up with a 
quote, backup in Kadoba makes Ben Bishop's an unfit to play. Very interesting start to this series. And I'm going to be that guy. Uh, if, if we had this little talk here before game one happened, I would have picked Colorado. I think everyone else would have. Seeing game one, how game one went, and then Grubauer went down. I know I said not to really worry with Frank Wallace. He's still a good goalie. I'm going to be – this is my upset. I got Dallas here. Let's let's get a little weird. <laughs> All right. Let's get a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dallas is winning the cup, by the way. Um, they're going all the way. Uh, but no, more seriously, I'm gonna stick with Colorado. Um, I don't blame you. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas has definitely turned it on. I think this was the gear we were expecting them to play with that we didn't see in the round robin. That we were all like, "Where is this? Like, this team is too stacked. They shouldn't be playing the way they did in the round robin." Um. You know, they've been doing great with Hudobin and Nett. Uh, Bishop still unfit to play. Not sure what's going on there. If it's an injury he's been dealing with for a while or if it's something new that's popped up. Um, Dallas's top line is showing up. Radulov had two goals last night. That line of Radulov, Sagan, and Ben is producing. They're generating pressure. And, I mean, when your top line is dominating, you know, the Avs top line of McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, I mean, it's it's hard to not believe in Dallas here a little bit. I this I think this series definitely is going to be a lot closer than I expected, for sure. I still think Colorado will get their their act together and pull it off. Um, but that Grubauer injury, I watched that. Not pretty, it yeah, wasn't yeah, like he got that. ran or anything. He literally was just making a save, went into the splits, and just couldn't get up and fell like. Just went flat uh, on his he face. He probably pulled something or something. Yeah, in there. I was yeah, concerned he like tore something in his leg. Well, that's like what happened to Corey against Winnipeg game one. He just kind of he went down and split. I think if I remember correctly, yeah. and he just he left the game. He just didn't look good. But but I mean, yeah, goalies, that's was, like, always laying on the ice for like two three minutes. They had to have the trainer come out there. He like wasn't mm-hmm. really moving at all. I mean, my reaction to it was like he just tore something. Like I don't know what he tore, whether it was a muscle or what, but. He's in severe pain. He can't, like, really get up. And when they were helping him off the ice, he wasn't even putting any pressure on that leg. Like, he was literally basically on one leg going off the ice. So that's definitely a serious injury based off what I saw. I don't think he'll be back, let alone this round, if the ads go further. I don't know if he'll be back the rest of the way. That's just how it looked. Another uh, big injury from that game was uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, He got hurt. He ended up coming back. He he had to go down the tunnel when he got hurt. It wasn't like he went to the bench and then just came back on. He did get evaluated, um, came back in the game, and still seemed pretty shaky the rest of the way. Um, who knows, you know, playoffs, a lot of guys will play through, like, major injuries Crazy and stuff, get, like, yeah. a bunch of surgeries basically as soon as the playoffs are over. So who knows what grade of injury it is. Uh, that they're They're pretty deep defensively. So it shouldn't hinder them too much, but it's not something you want in the playoffs regardless. Um, I think uh, Frank Hughes is going to be able to uh, man the net very well for them. We saw it. Him and Grubauer were a good tandem, just like Rask and Halak were during the season. Um, It's Frank Hughes' net at this point. He's got to run with it. Um, I just think Colorado is still too dangerous with the offensive weapons they have, including Kale McCarr on the back end. And to be honest, this playoff run – and even game one of this series, this is going to be a topic for a debate for another time, but I think McKinnon might be the best player in the NHL. Stop if you gave it. me a choice between him and McDavid, I, I would Stop probably it. pick Did McKinnon. Did we talk about this last episode? We, we, you talked said Connor briefly, McDavid. we talked briefly about it. Somebody brought up like a crazy tweet saying that it wasn't even close. Yep. And I was saying, all right, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a topic for debate, but it is close. It's not like it's not close. You know? Yeah, it's close, but I don't think you can say. I am. I think it's a lot. It has to do with recency bias here, but I mean, kind of do. Like, no, I, like we said, it is. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon's better defensively than McDavid, but I can't. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't say that. But anyway, um, yeah, that's good stuff there. That's that's going to be a very interesting series. Like I said, I'm going Dallas, but I, I have Colorado picked my bragging thing. But yeah. my official pick now is Dallas Stars. If I'm allowed to do that, um, I'm sure I'll regret it. But having a little fun here. So, but listen, I, I forget who I think you might have picked the same people I did pre like pre when we originally previewed who we thought was going to win it all when George was nice of us uh, nice enough to join us. Yeah. I said Vegas over Tampa in the Cup Finals. Did you say Vegas over Tampa too? I forget. I had I had Philly. I had Vegas nice. and Philly. Did but you I, really? I had my conference final was Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, Philly, which I think was the same for both of us. I, I don't even remember. But I, I had Philly heading out Tampa because I, I wasn't sure how they'd respond in the playoffs. Again, if I could go back yeah, to I, I bracket, totally forgot. I would not even have Philly making it to the conference finals. Yeah, so. I totally I totally forgot what um you had there. But that's that. That's our preview and prediction for the conference semifinals. So those games will be going on this week. We'll be uh, checking in with you guys, I think, midweek again, like we usually do, just to talk about what's going on and all that good stuff. But before we end it here, like I said, I'm going to touch upon a little bit on what to expect to see slash hear from us moving forward. <clears throat> As I explained, we've been doing a lot of NHL like overview type deal, um, talking about the playoffs, who we think are going to win, preview and predictions, all that fun stuff, which I think has been great. I've had a lot of fun with it. I'm hoping you guys love listening to us talk about it. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to that really compact off season. So I think we're going to start slowly turning and focusing more on the devils and the off season as a whole. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I released a pretty big in-depth guide on how I think the devil should approach the off season. Basically I'll give you a quick summary of it. The guide has an introduction where I talked about the devil's restricted and unrestricted free agents. They should bring back who they should keep talked about the draft, the approach to draft targets, devils, um, who they should, target with their three first round picks by the way i might have screwed this up whether i said it or whatever i was very confused got this clarified the vancouver canucks pick i think in the past i've said that could drop down to 25 through 27 if they beat um st louis that's not true. For whatever reason, the way the NHL set up, that pick won't move from 20th unless Vancouver wins this round and goes to the Western Conference Finals. I did not know that. It seems like they favor like point percentage as long as possible, basically. Is this like a, just a this year thing or have they done this in the I think, past? I think it's always been like this. They've always had like the, the finals winner gets the last pick. The finals runner up gets the second uh, to last pick and then the previous picks leading up to that are the teams that lost in their conference finals respectively then i think like division winners or something like that i don't know it's weird they, they try and like stick to points percentage but also like who you know was good in the standings it's it's weird how they do it but yeah so yeah because nfl's like not like this um the nba is not like this. literally the, yeah. the nhl's only one to do this i mean nhl likes being loners on stuff but Whatever. I mean, it helps the Devils out. That pick stays yeah, at 20th exactly. unless Vancouver gets some help again, which is good to know. I'm, I'm less upset about Vancouver winning that series right now. So am I. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually cool with it because I got my prediction right and I look smart. So um, <laughs> tap, tap myself on the shoulder for that one. But anyway, 
about this article, after I talk about the draft stuff here, I move into the roster overview and kind of like go real in depth about how the Devils are roster looking. I lay out a depth chart and then I look at the depth chart and basically analyze what the Devils need in terms of positionally. Um, and then I end it with free agency talk. I give my top 20 overall free agents as well as the targets I want the Devils to pursue based on their needs. If you haven't already, I'd appreciate it if you check it out. Um, put a lot of work in that one. I um, think it's pretty good insight help you guys understand what's going to be coming at you with the devil's off season. It's a really good guy. <clears throat> Thanks. I appreciate it, Chris. Um, so kind of going off that, we've been thinking about having an episode come up here in the next couple of weeks. Not re- I guess in a sense, almost summarizing the article, but adding more into it, going deeper in depth. And then you'll get to hear Chris's insightful opinions on it as well, how he thinks the devil should approach the off season. Cause like I said, it's coming quick. And this, in my opinion, is, the most important offseason in Devils franchise history. I know that kind of seems like much, but they got 20 plus million cast space. They got three first round picks. They've been in this like almost rebuild now since what, 2013? Yeah. So they, they got to get this one right. They just made a whole bunch of new hires. So this is very important. Like I said, really want to get the podcast more tuned towards this stuff. You'll see us swinging more towards that in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's about it here. Um, Chris, you have anything else you want to add with how, how we're going to be approaching this or anything else you want to add before we end Can't off wait here? for, uh, the future episode. Nobody loves, uh, you know, armchair GMs more than anything, <laughs> you know, can't wait for that. Um, but other than that, let's go devils as always. Yep. Yep. Everyone stay safe out there and we, you guys will get to hear our beautiful voices soon enough.